Hey man, welcome back. Thanks for almost one, uh, 200k now. Uh, we're gonna go check out the Lost Century. Um, I had to reclaim it. Oh shit, the Lost Century had to reclaim it in 2023. Oh. Some loose moose. Intelligent media. Stephen Greer. We are hurtling toward the day when climate change could be irreversible. Sea levels already offering the state. China's capital is choking in the worst pollution of the year. Five percent of species will become extinct. Sea levels rising, glaciers melting. If we do nothing, the picture of the world is one of absolute devastation. There's no convincing scientific evidence for man-made climate change. We're spewing 162 million tons of human-caused global warming pollution into it every single day, as if this is an open sewer. Satellite data demonstrates in the last 17 years there's been zero warming, none whatsoever. It's why, you remember how it used to be called global warming? And then magically the theory changed to climate change? Sure. The reason is it wasn't warming. But the computer models still say it is, except the satellites show it's not. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. And all you can talk about is the money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? Drill, baby, drill. have the best capitalism and global capitalism in the world, but if people are dead, they're dead. It's over. Enough is enough. The world is at a breaking point. Catastrophic climate change, biosphere collapse, and a global energy crisis have been met with apathy, denial, and despair. He's going to take everything we know and love. Like clockwork, our corporate overlords present us with two untenable options. Submit to an Orwellian itinerary of energy rationing and population control, or ride the status quo into the abyss. Both sides are right, and both sides are wrong. Which means both sides are missing a critical piece of the puzzle. Since the early 2000s, uh, we have seen an increasing number of unauthorized and or unidentified aircraft or objects in military-controlled training areas uh, and training ranges and other designated airspace. Some of them appeared to remain stationary in winds aloft, move against the wind, maneuver abruptly, or move at considerable speed without discernible means of propulsion. Um, that's pretty intriguing. I think I would, uh, without discernible means of propulsion, I would say that uh, we're not aware of any adversary that can move an object without discernible means of propulsion. The phrase unidentified flying object is a deliberately obfuscating term. What it really is, is an alternative energy and propulsion device. This is the real reason for the secrecy. These technologies, if they were disclosed, would end fossil fuels, pollution, and poverty overnight. 
and usher in a new era of abundance, freedom, and peace. Instead, they have been kept secret for over a hundred years. Dr. Stephen Greer, the world's leading expert on UFOs and extraterrestrial intelligence, has been advising presidents and heads of state for 30 years on the urgency of the situation. We don't have much time left. What is this lost century? This lost century is literally a hundred years, more than that now, of technologies that have existed that have vanished. Well, and I was just recently in a meeting in Washington with the people who manage the black budget of the United States. They have no access to this material. Because between the late 1800s and now, the ingenious inventions and sciences that could have moved us off that extinction level path that we're on have all been ruthlessly suppressed confiscated yeah and people and the only kill. Way that's going to change it is not going to change in washington it is not going to change in a large corporation unlikely it's going to change by us the people doing it so it's about us let's look at this you know what this is This is an alternative energy and propulsion device. These are things that have existed all the way back into the 60s. But the one that they call the Tic Tac here off the coast of San Diego, the white one, looked very much like this. These have been made by the Lockheed Skunk Works. And my favorite letter of all time, the head of the Lockheed Skunk Works, Ben Rich, look at the date on it, 1986. It was an answer to a letter someone wrote and says, are these UFOs man-made or extraterrestrial? He says, many of our man-made UFOs are really unfunded opportunities. Meaning if it was released for public use, it'd be an enormous industry. Every meeting I go in Washington, I said, see that thing you guys are all talking about? That's Lockheed's conference. They have left us behind. And everything we see out in our world today is absolutely a construct. It's an absolute construct. The internal combustion engines are obsolete. The nuclear power plants are obsolete. The coal fire plants are obsolete. We have the wind generators. Those are obsolete. The solar power, it's all obsolete. If we could follow the gravity research that the contractors and research institutions have been doing, we could see that bright future as well. So a lot of people say, well, how is this thing moving? <laughs> There's no fuel on board. There's no nuclear power plant. There's no jets and no rockets. Well, way back in the 40s, Dr. Casimir, he predicted and later it was proven in the 50s, what's called the zero-point energy field. Zero-point energy, or what Nikola Tesla called radiant energy, is the most profound and transformative gift that the quantum world offers us. The seemingly empty vacuum of space is actually a roiling sea of virtual particles fluctuating in and out of existence. And all those fluctuations require energy. If we could tap into this energy source, 
we would unlock a virtually unlimited reservoir of clean, free <laughs> extraterrestrial spacecraft are known to not even virtually. It is. The U.S. is under, or your scientists is understanding what this was. It was an energy device that used the zero point energy. That's what they refer to as zero point energy, and it was connected in such a manner that this device could power. I mean, from very small flashlight or very small watch up to a city, and power was determined by what the demand on it was. The implications of free energy go far beyond bringing monthly electric bills to zero or running a car without gasoline. Most of the cost of making anything, from growing food to building a skyscraper, is the energy of pulling raw materials out of the ground, shipping, processing, shipping again, and so on. If the cost of energy goes to zero, the cost of agriculture and manufacturing becomes negligible. Other critical solutions, like water desalinization to end drought or air purification, both of which are prohibitively expensive due to energy costs, would suddenly become viable in a free energy paradigm. A new world where humans live free in energy. perfect harmony with nature is possible within our lifetimes. But this would mean the end of oil, <gasps> gas, and coal, as well as the centralized power grid. And the global macroeconomic system, which will stop at nothing to protect the hundreds of trillions of dollars at stake. The consequences of keeping all this secret. We're in the process right now of, of doing something that I term another five: the deliberate killing of an entire planet with malice of forethought, through greed and stupidity and power. All the damage we're going to see in a few minutes, totally avoidable. Every bit of it since the 1920s, at least, we can prove this. I'm afraid that the term planetocide is all too real. The ecocide doesn't really say it. We are in the process of destroying the biosphere, destroying a habitable world for certainly the majority of the animals on the planet. I'm an older guy. I won't be around to see the worst of this, but I have. Not just trepidation, but terror at what's going to be faced by my son's generation and the generations that come after. When when someone asks me how bad is the crisis, I kind of don't know where to begin. Because what does that even mean? Does it mean what is the threat to humanity? Have we reached some kind of tipping point? There are certain things that get under my skin or that especially alarm me. And one of them is the insect holocaust, for lack of a better word, the precipitous decline in the Hola, number mama, of insects, number of species, the total Hola. biomass of insects. Hola. A lot of studies put that decline at 80 percent. When I was a child, when we went on a long drive, especially in the summer, like we'd have to have the windshield wipers on from time to time to clear off the bug splatter. Like you just don't have that anymore. Insects are like the foundation of the terrestrial food chain. Like you can't have a thriving ecosystem without thriving insects. So this is the sixth great extinction that's happening on the planet, and it's 100% man-made. All of it. We have to all awaken because what's happened, I think, we're like a frog being boiled slowly. 
And suddenly we're going to wake up and find out, you know, it's too late. 150 species every day go extinct. Now these aren't all animals, they're all kinds of species. The planet has been dying uh, at human hands for a long time. A naturalist I like, J.D. McKinnon, he calls the world a 10% world as kind of a poetic expression of how much life has declined. So there's maybe 10% of the whales that there were 500 years ago. And the, the seabirds and the wetlands and the mangrove swamps, you know, and the fish biomass. We don't even know what we have lost. Although in some level we feel it. This is, this is part of the despair, part of the alienation and, and the anguish that sensitive people feel. The you know, ice caps are melting, uh, the oceans are certainly going to rise. They could rise as much as 20 feet if, if we have the big ones melt. This is all the way back in, in 1958, and there's a full-page color ad in Life magazine. Everybody was reading Life magazine at the time. And it's by an oil company, which was the predecessor of Exxon, which was called Humble. Each day, Humble supplies enough energy to melt 7 million tons of glaciers. Here they're, they're bragging about it in 1958. So this company gets rebranded as Exxon in the 1970s. And in July 1977, they have a meeting inside Exxon headquarters, where their chief scientist, James Black, is showing slides that are warning that burning fossil fuels are going to eventually endanger all of humanity. They know this in 1977. Present thinking holds that man has a time window of 15 years before the need for hard decisions regarding changes in energy strategies might become critical. Well, those 15 years were up in the early 1990s. Look at this. How long ago was it recognized that this was a disaster? Senior scientists at Exxon, 45 years ago. And actually, it was known before that. This is insanity. This is a, a civilization gone mad. These companies have really not been held accountable. We've lived in the fossil fuel economy now for more than 100 years. And it's just been accelerating. The amount of wealth has been increasing. You have situations now where the head of ExxonMobil goes on to become the Secretary of State, Rex Tillerson, under President Trump. And I'm an environmentalist. A lot of people don't understand it. I think I know more about the environment than most people. So there is really very little uh, accountability that exists. Many scientists, such as myself, have discovered that there are very concerted, well-oiled machines that provide false information, even to scientific and academic programs called Capture, where they try to rationalize away this problem and everything's fine. One company, Exxon alone, has funded more than 40 different groups to keep alive its campaign to deny the worst impacts of climate change. There was a guy named Martin Hoffman, and he's a professor of physics at New York University, a consultant to Exxon for their climate modeling during the 1980s. And he said this, The advertisements that Exxon ran in major newspapers raising doubt about climate change were contradicted by the scientific work we had done and continue to do. Exxon was publicly promoting views that its own scientists knew were wrong, and we knew that because we were the major group working on this. This was immoral and has greatly set back efforts to get Here's the case where the Canadian government ordered the scientists not to disclose this benefit. 
So what you get in the media is, is a very sanitized version of this problem, which many people believe we may have already gone over the edge of the red line, how far we can go without a safe return to a sustainable civilization. China is the world's biggest greenhouse gas emitter by a huge margin. And if there's anything clear so far coming out of this year's Communist Party Congress, it's that coal is having a bit of a revival in the world's second largest economy. A senior energy official said China will give full play to coal as ballast in the country's energy mix. Why are we digging stuff up out of the ground when we haven't needed to burn coal? since about the 1920, 1930 time period. Here's your solar panels. I had to replace my solar panels with my more, and they all end up in a landfill and they're toxic. You know, we're working in a paradigm, whether it be fossil fuels or what is being proposed with new energy, that isn't gonna work. Certainly opposed to renewable technology. But you know, they are dependent on weather. <laughs> they're dependent on how much wind there is in an area, or they're able to harness of the, of the sun. And they cost an awful lot to, bring up this speed. No environmentalist wants to see vast landscapes converted to biofuels or pit mines to mine silver and cobalt and lithium, wind turbines that kill birds and, and mar the landscape. This isn't what we signed up for, but this is what happens when we abdicate our relational care for every place and ecosystem and being on Earth and transfer that onto yet another quantitative cost-benefit paradigm. And you have lithium fields. The amount of pollution from these lithium mining operations for lithium-ion batteries in your Tesla. Not to mention they get fired periodically. Now, fair enough, I'm an emergency and trauma doctor. Gasoline cars catch fire. <laughs> I, I can tell you horror stories, which I'm sure you don't want to hear. And then we have this whole morass of how we're living, you know, on wires that we haven't needed. And so the entire system is set up to benefit a relatively small number of global oligarchs and financial interests that we absolutely have to say enough. We've had 150 years to do this. If we want to live among other life in the future and not in a concrete hellscape where we retreat into virtual worlds to compensate for the loss of what is alive, that we have to change our ways. And we have to start acting from our care for life. Most of you know that there are these nano-particulate plastics that are in the entire food chain. They cause cancer, they disrupt hormones, they get into your brain. And why? Well, if we had quote-unquote free energy systems, from what we're going to describe as zero-point energy bills, you would never have to have anything wasted because you have 100% recycling because the cost of the energy would be zero. And then we have all these famines happening around the world because of the absolute social injustice of a system that is driven by greed and scarce resources. When as Tesla pointed out, there's an infinite amount of energy to be tapped in what is now being quantified as the zero point energy field. How do you tap it? Now, mainstream science says it can't be tapped. It's there theoretically. Not true. And you're going to find out how untrue that is. International Panel on Climate Change, which if 
these annual reports about the dire state of things that we're facing. It says in their latest report that over the next decade alone, between 32 million and 130-some million people are going to be driven into poverty because of the change in climate in their countries. Three billion people, almost half the world's population, have no way to cook their food. They have no way to heat. But what they're doing, they have to just survive, is cutting down the rainforest and cutting down the scrub and shrubs in the desert. You have what's called the desertification, where you have the growth of deserts going on exponentially. You can take maps from 40 years ago and now and just see the growth of this dead zone. Why? You have 3 billion people that don't even have, even if they had access to fossil fuels, they don't have access. This is how they're living. It's not only that 3 billion people don't have access to energy sources, it's also that their way of life is under constant assault by our own, primarily through the um, financial system that imposes debt through development loans and other mechanisms on most of the world, who then must, in order to meet the debt payments, must convert their environment into commodities and their time and energy into labor for the global marketplace. So if you don't include those kinds of issues, and you're only talking about let's bring more energy to the world so they can, so we can raise them up to be like ourselves. Come on, it's not working. Being like ourselves is not working. Hi, shitbird. Look at the depression. Hi, baby. How you doing, huh? Look at the obesity. Look at the despair. I'm Blondie. This is not a fit destination to evangelize throughout the world. We need some humility here. The dire emergency in East Africa, the drought there exacerbating the hunger crisis. As many as 20 million people could be starving by the middle of this year. Half of them, children. I firmly believe there can be no peace on this planet without justice. And there can be no justice when half the population of the world is required to live in abject poverty. It's a direct result of the world's energy system. So I always liken this. We're living in the sort of the Truman Show. It's a perfect metaphor for the world we're living in now where, you know, the people who are saying we need more oil, gas, and coal until we get something to replace it, they're right. <laughs> Look what's happening all over the world. On the other hand, the people say we can't just keep in drill, baby, drill and burning oil and gas and coal because we're destroying the biosphere. And they're right. Now, when both sides are right and both sides are wrong, Hello. someone's been had. Hello. been had by people who want to deceive us and think that we're, hey, we're actually having a, a, a legitimate the, debate uh, about dog energy food and the environment. We are milk. not. We're all Jim Carrey living in this Truman show of a construct. So everyone's saying, well, you know, we don't have enough fossil fuels coming out, and the density of energy from uh, solar and wind is not enough, so let's uh, the, build the more of these. Right, well, right then you're I stuck with one million the the wet, a toxic... Where's the wet dog food? Where's the wet dog food? Reactors. Did you say there was milk too? Was dried milk? Emissions would only decrease according to a recent study by four percent if we double the amount of energy that we're getting from nuclear power by 2050. Well, that's not a very good statistic to think about. Most people think when nuclear power plant is running yeah. that you're somehow getting energy from the atom directly. No. What you're doing is splitting the atom, as it were, creating a lot of heat that boils water, heats water, it turns a steam engine. 
like a choo-choo train in 1849 coming out to the gold rush in California. That's all a nuclear power plant is, except they're stuck with a million years of waste. And this is the other problem. The distribution of the power from the point that you have the primary source, by the time you generate it, transmit it through the inefficient transmission lines, and then the, your, your wiring in your device or your home, you've lost at least 66%. So 66% of the energy is completely wasted. So here's your energy grid. 12% is a new renewable. The rest is the old system. So if you plug in your electric car, 88% of the power is coming from gas and oil and coal. The entire world is running on an energy paradigm of scarcity, meaning that there's never more energy to regenerate. And we lose that energy as we move it around and deploy it in different ways. And so energy is expensive. And energy is difficult to get to remote areas. And the energy is important because it's inputs in growing food, and it's inputs in manufacturing, and it's inputs in the economy, and it's inputs in all of these things that make people's lives better and that solve the problems that desperately need to be solved on the planet right now. Overunity is a very simple idea. It's that you're getting more energy out of something than you're putting into it. And according to mainstream science, that's impossible. What free energy devices suggest is that there is a limitless supply of usable energy that's always coming into reality. And that we're not living in a universe of fundamental scarcity. So over energy is more than just a breakthrough that's going to live its life in a technical paper. It's not that. It's really the ability of humans to liberate themselves. Yes, there is a history, a long history of over-unity systems. For example, Nikola Tesla had one. Basically, his big magnifying transformer that he had in on Long Island was such an over-unity system. He got the entire Earth itself in it. Everything going on is feeding energy into the Earth starts to feed energy into that wave that he created. So he gets a lot more energy in his resonant wave fed from outside, from the environment in the interior of the Earth. His idea was he could then put in a, a cap on it anywhere else on the world and extract it free. Because Jesse Morgan's take on that was, that's foolish, you can't put a meter on <laughs> That uh, actually doomed much of Tesla's career at that point when Morgan found out that he, Tesla, was going to produce the energy freely. But I love this quote. If you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. Now, the reason he said that is that when you use what's called a very high-voltage system, you can tap in to what Professor Katzinger called the zero-point energy field. Some people call it the quantum vacuum. Other people, like Professor Dirac, modestly, called it the Dirac C. And we just tested a device last month in the Arizona Desert, you'll see in a moment, that is based on that. Ah. Nobody is really trying to get, for example, over unity, more energy out of something than you put in, because it's assumed that that is impossible. Well, that no. might be impossible. So they're saying because they can't but put a price tag on really it. They understand the fabric of reality itself. They just can't believe it. Especially engineers, because I, uh, I know how we were taught. Right? There is no vacuum energy. It's just a coup. I mean, you think right? if they took a little more physics, they would go, well, maybe. It's not a small thing. It's not a matter of 
of finding proof for some technology, for some invention, and convincing everybody of it. You can't convince somebody of something that so totally contradicts their basic assumptions about the universe. But what if there's a pool of energy available to us that we didn't even think was possible because we're operating on these hundred plus year old assumptions? We can't find this excess energy simply because no one's looking for it. So-called empty space isn't really empty at all. It's actually full of energy. Instead of being like kind of a quiet, empty lake, it's more like the froth at the base of the waterfall. Well, when you go to look at the number, you find out that there's enough energy in the volume of a coffee cup to evaporate all the world's oceans if you get it all up. And here we have a car from 1921 running without a plug. Now look at this old car. And it was pulling energy out of, they just said, out of the environment. They, just, they couldn't quantify what, but they had the correct frequency. And this had a battery and some wiring. And it was running, 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 running around without being plugged in. Memo to Tesla Motors, go and research this. Get rid of your plug-ins. And this is one of my favorite, 1902. About free energy now. engineer named Stubblefield. With what Tesla. about? He had something they called the Earth Battery, or the Stubblefield Battery. And it had rods going into the Earth and some wiring. And it was picking up this magnetic flux field of the planet. And he was running his farm. And Tesla was there with him, 1902. So when I say it was 100 years, last century, no. I do not wish to talk about it myself, but I've been the victim of quite a bit of suppression. So has any other legitimate researcher in this area. The government is protecting the industry, the oil industry, because they're in bed together. Tremendous amounts of contributions for politicians come from these huge companies. And these huge companies have been covering up for years what we're doing to the planet. Today, we don't have so much big kingdoms. We have cartels. We have a whole set of cartels in an area, interlocking corporations, and behind this, we have a few people Monopolies. who are quite wealthy and who own those things. Any time we have a very powerful cartel or set of people that control a lot of things, that resists any means of changing its inflow of control and its inflow of funds and money and its power. You know, everybody's trying to be the big monkey. It's really as simple as that. Here we have all the methods. Some of these are common sense, but every one of these are ones I have encountered and investigated personally with geniuses, engineering geniuses, and physics geniuses, but strategically impaired inventors. Black shelving. So someone comes along, they offer you $20 million for your device, it's a corporation, they put it on a shelf. But national security orders. We're going to show you one from a man we just met with. Features. Financial entanglements from investors because they're doing their whole business in legal strategy wrong. Legal entanglements where they end up in court. Threats to the individuals. I had a guy under contract building one. All you had to do is have some thugs come in and say, You, your wife, you're dead, you stop this. And he stopped. And then scientific fraud. The more powerful the agency, the more powerful the group, the more powerful the cartel the more they will resort not only to legal means, but to extra legal means to suppress their competition. 
for example, yeah. the greatest like espionage people. in the world is industrial espionage between one corporation and another right here in America. They're the ones that hire all the spies and their spooky equipment and everything right there by far more than the intel agents do. And it's not one cartel. So there are many, many groups in energy, and each of those has become very powerful in its own area, and each one does not wish to see simple little electrical taps pulling out enormous energy from the vacuum. They would much rather see you burning a lot more oil and so forth. So there's something nefarious afoot. Uh, it kind of makes sense from like, I'm threatening oil monopoly and things like that. I, okay, so it, I said pretty early on, the problem is depression. It wasn't really how do I make a free energy machine. It's how do I uh, not get suppressed? Like, what's the point? If you make it, you're just going to get fired. And then you have a really big one, media corruption. Well, why doesn't everyone in the world know these things have existed? Because, as you'll see in a little bit, the media, at a certain high level, has operatives from the intelligence community who kill stories on demand. And then the worst, of course, went worse. It's not totally mafia-type stuff. It's not like, you know, you just flat get shot. There's some of that. The typical threat is threat to the family. Right, it's a typical mafia, right? It's not just watch the Godfather family work, right? There's a, an interesting record of people that have thought of new alternatives to the oil and gas industry uh, who have met untimely demises. I don't know Hi, if mommy. you'd say that's true in terms of Nikola Tesla specifically, but he was supplied back in the early 1930s and didn't die immediately, but then died alone in a hospital room a few years later. When they found out that Tesla had passed away in the Hotel New Yorker, they came in, they had the manager of the hotel open the safe, and they took all of Tesla's papers. So here you have an actual FBI document. And the Department of Defense is demanding they turn over what they seized in 1943. Now, this used to be an urban myth. Oh, well, he had these secret inventions and papers, and the government stole it. No, it's right here. That technology and what was in those boxes and what was written in those papers, we do not know, and we may not ever know. So they go in. The FBI takes it. Here, the Department of Defense, years later, is saying, we want all those papers that you confiscated in 1943 upon Nikola Tesla's death. And then you have this flat-out patent confiscation through national security orders. Look at this. This is 12 years ago. 5,135 inventions seized under national security orders. The 1971 list includes patents for solar voltage that were subject to restriction because they were more than 20% efficient. The most efficient solar panel you can get right now in 2022 is 22.8%. These were way past that in, how many years is that? 51 years ago. Okay, we're not talking about an extraterrestrial spacecraft or anti-gravity or gravity control. We're talking about just a super efficient solar panel. Those are confiscated. This is one of my favorite statements of this report. One may fairly ask if disclosure of such technologies could really have been detrimental to the national security or whether the opposite would be closer to the truth. Yeah, we hear the word vital interest of national security. Well, what we're really talking about there in terms of Iraq, for example, in the early 2000s, which was all trumped up. There were no weapons of mass destruction. That's what was being 
touted by the media, Sir Judith Miller, the New York Times, and others, to justify what we were doing to get rid of Saddam Hussein. But in fact, the only national security implication of that was the oil industries. The biggest one. But again, what does national security mean here? Oil, gas, petrodollar, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan Chase. That's the national security in the abused, corrupt system. It's uh, a policy which the military seems to feel is necessary for national security. However, at this point, we often wonder, 50 years after World War II and the Cold War, whether sequestering is necessary, especially when fossil fuels are a major cause of global warming. So here we have a man. He was fired, Dr. Tom Bologna, his PhD physicist. He was a patent examiner, and he saw these amazing technologies being confiscated. It was not a conspiracy theory. And he blew the whistle, they fired him. You know, because he saw things that would save the planet. Now, this is way back in the 80s or 90s. Patent uh, sequestering, which is actually called secretizing, the uh, public needs to know at least that every major military agency has a representative at the patent office. Patent office in its current approaches is actually breaking the law. It's trying to make happy the uh, physicists who are with American Physical Society to keep them in power with their ideas, you might say, and withhold from public use good inventions that could solve our problems, like the energy crisis. Boeing had just finished some work on some propulsion systems. Boeing had done it for the Air Force. Let me finish the job. And then they applied to their customer at the Air Force for permission to use it on Boeing's commercial airlines. And they were denied. An example of the ongoing suppression of, of things that are seem to be innocuous and a slight improvement in, in technology. So, you know, T. Henry Moray had a device, no input energy once he got it set up, output 50 kilowatts. He had multiple assassination attempts and finally was bankrupted in his lab. This was the 1930s. There is absolutely no question that T. Henry Moray had a system that produced about 50 kilowatts out of a 55-pound box. There's uh, all kinds of skullduggery that happened there. The Russians even tried to kidnap him at one time. It reads like a James Bond movie, but it's real. It really happened, and it really happened here in the United States. Here's a friend of mine. He was a Wright-Patterson, Project Blue Book guy. But when he retired, he built a device that you could put on the air intake of a car. This is in the 80s, where you would get anywhere from 20 to 40-some percent more range miles per gallon on conventional. I treat air, and out of air, I make it more than just providing oxygen for the combustion process. There are combustion-stimulating molecules and radicals generated in this process. Thunderstorm in a bottle. He had his lab vandalized, everything stolen, bomb threats, etc. This is a colonel who put his entire life savings into something in the 80s that would have been a game changer. But it wasn't a free energy device. It wasn't something just running out of the zero point. It would have just gotten more efficiency and cleaned up the air. Environmental Protection Agency is a bit of a dictatorial police agency. They call themselves a protection agency, but they are police agency. EPA cannot approve a fuel-saving device they put out reams of documentation stating that something will not work. 
this gentleman actually took a device from a Russian immigrant and another and kind of packaged it. He didn't actually understand it that much. And you had 26, almost 27 watts going in, 7,460 watts going out, and tested and verified by multiple labs. Ray started developing this idea eight years ago. For the past year and a half, he's been trying to get someone in the U.S. government interested. So far, he's had little luck. Ray says he's been getting the same reaction he got 30 years ago when he first proposed his theory. Keep this guy out of here, he is crazy. Gray says it's paranoia. The scientific community isn't willing to accept teaching opposite all previous learning. And the military aerospace industry is afraid to admit decades and billions of dollars worth of research have been wasted. Now, unfortunately, this disappeared because he actually took the ideas from some geniuses and was trying to make a lot of money. And so his became, I'm calling this, crazy inventor syndrome. Uh, it's not very nice, but I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. And here's why it's crazy. They think I have the, the, the best thing since sliced bread, and the world's going to be the path to my door. And they don't realize they're going to have corrupt interests from the national security state, corporations, and all kinds of other people stop them. So they think they're going to do a normal investment and normal venture capital and patent it or keep the secret sauce of how it works away from everyone. And in every single case for 100 okay plus years, there, they've taken that knowledge to their grave. Are you okay, babies? Uh, you've seen the paranoid inventor. Are you okay? There's plenty of stories hey, on those babies. guys. Baby? My pressure. Hello? Hello? Hello, baby? Baby? Oh, shit. Baby? I, I can't share baby. my secrets. Everybody will take it from me, right? That oh. This paranoid... I, I have it. This is worth billions of dollars and everything else. And there's some Maybe. they know have no idea. At first, they think they're the first, right? Have no idea the history. Maybe. Of and what happens to the others? So, having done that for 31 years Maybe. now, I have been dealing with people with these devices since 1991. Almost all of them fall into some part of this syndrome, Maybe. and it's a tragedy. You'll see the device. I'll have engineers come in and test it. They go, "Oh no." I'm going to keep it secret. Nobody can know but me. And I need to make a bunch of money. They want to be the next Rockefeller of energy. And the next thing you know, they're dead, or the device is confiscated, or it vanishes in a buyout. So this guy had the same problem. He had a device. They have it there still running. And But they think that no one can know this but them. They're buying into the paranoia. My answer is open source it. Dump it on the internet, blockchain, or any way you can. You have no no intellectual property. The whole world knows about it. Every scientific lab in the world can reproduce it. We're going to get to this strategy in a minute. That's how we go. We've got to do that. Because the very definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results attributed to Einstein. But how true is that here? So we have to change our strategy. Many of these inventors are really good at the technical stuff. They're not great communicators. This power is something I have given my life for, for you the people. Now set up this demonstration for y'all. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. 
they're not good at business. <laughs> they're not. Like, God can make technical geniuses, and He can make business-savvy people, but rarely do the two come together in one person. This story is fascinating because he had a, a tiny, you know, a 17 watt, it's like a, you know, a 20 watt light bulb. It was putting out 200 watts 10 to 15 times, more output than input. This is in the 80s, this is 40 years ago. I was not convinced, probably on the first three times that I saw the device and saw it tested, that, uh, that indeed it put out more energy than it, than it took in. I am convinced now. Uh, that virtually none of the patent examiners, and there's almost 5,000 of us, uh, were allowed to use in any of our uh, applications. The supervisor particularly said that, um, oh, that's something only if you're dealing with uh, energy inventions. So what we find is that throughout the patent office, that rejection for something that we personally would feel would not be operable um, was not a judgment we were allowed to make, except if we're in that security department that deals with energy and propulsion types of inventions. Here we have a brilliant device, again, almost 40 years ago. Look at the input and output. Test it over and over again, 0.3 milliwatts output, 223,000 watts. That's 22.4 kilowatts. That's plenty to run your car, your, your Tesla motor. Now, continuously output if, if needed on demand. So this little thing that looks like a cigarette pack, 
died, others mysterious, they said a heart attack, it's all kinds of evidence he was killed. This is real, usable power. It's stable. It is not transient. It is not noise. And it is not any other kind of spurious effect. This is a real effect. It's all coming from that little tiny box sitting behind the 500 watts of power. Behind the lamps, that little box is putting out all of that power, well over 500 watts, and yet it is receiving less than one-third of a milliwatt of input power. This is April the 30th, 1987, at about 10.30 p.m., in the home of Mr. Sparky Sweet, the inventor of the very first vacuum trial. This is a most historical occasion. I was altered when I saw it because uh, my view was that you could be anywhere then in the universe. You could be in a cave, you could be anywhere, and you had energy. This was overwhelming to think that I could have energy, and the whole world could have energy. That all of a sudden, we were on equality economically. We didn't have to worry about the energy sources. The rest of that power is coming out of the surging energy of the vacuum. And this little box that you see right here, solid state, no moving parts, is the vacuum trial that's doing this very practical and historical work. He was shot at once with a silenced rifle from about 300 yards. The only thing that saved his life was he was an old guy and very feeble. Hi, he was stumbling as he coming up the steps and he fell down. He just flat fell down on the steps, caught his foot and fell right forward. And as his head went forward, the bullet went right by where his head was. And of course, the assassin was never found. This guy called me up. He said, we really need your help. And I said, the only way you're going to do this is that you disclose it, all of it, open source it, get it out there. I will see that we get it out to the entire scientific community. He says, no, no, no. I just, oh, my precious, my precious, my precious. And I said, dude, you're, you're going to take this to your grave. He took it to his grave. Yeah, it's gone. This very distraught lady who's Sparky's wife, she's saying Sparky's dead. And uh, that she said two strange men, she called them strange men, showed up at about five o'clock the night before and they stayed for a little while and then they left and sparky an uh, hour or two later having a cup of coffee and just killed over onto the floor called the ambulance and she was 75 years old they would not let her in the ambulance and the ambulance then <coughs> called her killed back him. about 20 minutes later and said, we don't think he's going to make it. And uh, that was the end of that until the next morning when she called my sister-in-law and talked to her and said, there are men here that said they're FBI and they got black vans and they're taking all this equipment. What should I do?
and welcome to this edition of Eyewitness Newsmakers. I'm your host, Doug Miller. On March the 23rd, chemists Stanley Pons and Martin Fleischman rocked the world of science. They announced that they had achieved cold fusion in their laboratory at the University of Utah. The promise of a cheap and a plentiful energy supply grabbed the world's attention. It didn't put out a lot of power, but what was scary is that this is 1989. It made the you know cover of all the magazines. The way they took that avenue of discovery out of the scientific world is that there were people who were paid, who were corrupted, through scientific fraud at MIT. Next slide. Dr. Eugene Malov, dear friend of mine, PhD, Harvard and MIT, brilliant man. There was a man named Eugene Malov who, it's quite possible, was eliminated by the powers that be in the fossil fuel industry. He died in 2004. He was murdered that year. But Malov was a, an extremely important figure in the alternative energy world, especially in terms of what's called cold fusion. And he was at MIT in the, the science office for education when he saw how they had changed the data on the reproducing the Pons Fleischmann experiment. And he blew the whistle. Uh, I inadvertently was looking through some piles of paper that had been given to me in a casual manner by all these hot fusion physicists as they were trying to do their calorimetric uh, repeat of the Pons Fleischmann experiment. And to my utter astonishment, I can remember sitting at my desk in my study and actually seeing these two sheets of paper with one dated July 10th, 1989, and another dated July 13th, three days apart. The difference between July 10th and 13th was dramatic, and I was stunned. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It looked like monkey business to me at the time, and it has turned out to be exactly that. It was a lower echelon person in the Plasma Fusion Center at MIT, one of the 16 authors of a scientific paper done under Department of Energy contract that had altered data. And that data is scientific fraud, as far as I'm concerned, and many other people are concerned. And it was, you know, it was hell on wheels. Finally get someone who brings him a, a zero-point device, solid state, no moving parts. And I said, Gene, we need to get this out to the public very quickly. Oh no, they want to keep it secret. I begged him and I begged him and I begged him and I begged him. He was beaten Stop to death permission. He was over at his parents' home. Stop asking the government permission. Just give it away. Spread it like wildfire. Fuck the government. And also when, uh, yeah.
Yeah. And was killed, murdered. Made to look like some thugs. They were, yeah, they were thugs. But the lost century. And the device vanished with him. Good friend of mine, dear friend. What we really had was a threat to the scientific establishment. The threat of it even being implied as real and having monies, shall we say, being diverted from their favorite programs. And uh, that was a threat, no question. There was an actual threat of that happening. U.S. scientists making a huge breakthrough. A source tells CNN that for the first time ever, researchers have been able to create energy from the fusion reaction. Now, Laura, I could explain all of this in great detail. <laughs> but basically, it's a giant step towards a clean energy future without dependence on fossil fuels. This is the first time, by all accounts, they've gotten more heat out than they put in. Not so fast. This supposed breakthrough, announced just as we were finishing this film, is a total distraction. The net gain, 0.1 kilowatt, is enough to boil a kettle of water and... How much else? What is truly baffling is that they are not counting the actual input required to power the lasers to get the machine going. When you count the energy it took to generate the fusion reaction, it's actually a 1,200 times net loss. Furthermore, fusion reactions can generate heat in excess of 3 million degrees, which would ignite the oxygen in the surrounding air if a breach ever occurred. Everything about this is, at best, wrong. At worst, fraudulent. So why is this fake solution being pushed by every media outlet on the planet? when we have had real solutions hidden in classified programs for a hundred years. Different people have different devices. Of the ones that have promise, there's certain themes that keep re-emerging. The first theme is torsion physics. Torsion physics is a fancy way of saying something that spins like this and something that spins like this. Think of it as like an hourglass shape. I think that it has to do with it representing the way energy moves in the universe. At the biggest levels, like the galaxy, it's a spiral. A tornado on Earth is this vortex motion. Our DNA is a stranded spiral. A second theme is plasma. A lightning bolt is plasma. Right? The spark gap in a car is plasma. So plasma is the force that can have a rogue government. Solid water is ice. Add more energy, it melts and becomes water. Add more energy, we have it a fucking rogue government. And then, if you were to add even more energy, say through running an electric current through that steam or through any gas, you end up with plasma. You can think of it as maybe this liminal state or in between state between the physical world and the non physical world, whatever that is. There's some evidence emerging that plasma can provide a shielding of. 
inertia. So if you imagine that you're a UFO and you need to zip around at crazy speed, you can't pump the brakes too fast, otherwise everyone's hurt. going to slam into the windshield, right? But if you had some sort of inertial shield around when they are discharged, we're to the they actually century. tap into the zero-point uh, energy field. Mm -hmm. This is where most of... It's very uh, disturbing and troubling that, uh, <clears throat> you know, our government is literally killing people who come up with planet-saving technologies. Exclamation point. Okay. Okay, like me, President Webb, free energy for all. I'm posting on Christopher Price Facebook page. The power We're gonna pull up a little bit. No moving parts is the vacuum trout that's doing this very practical and historical work. He was shot at once with a silenced rifle from about 300 yards. The only thing saved his Fucking life sniper. was he was an old guy and very feeble. He was stumbling as he coming up the steps and he fell down. Fucking he sickening. just left, fell down on the steps, caught his foot and fell right forward. And as his head went forward, the bullet went right by where his head was. And of course, the assassin was never found. This guy called me up. He said, we really need your help. And I said, the only way you're going to do this is that you disclose it, all of it open source it, get it out there, I will see that we get it out to the entire scientific community. He says, no, 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 I, it's gone, my precious, my precious, my precious. Let it go, said, fuckers. You're, you're going to take this to your grave. He took it to yep. his grave. It's the only way. Let it go. Very distraught lady. Release it to the wife. public she says, and media immediately. And, uh, Don't ask the government for fucking permission. Men showed up at about five o'clock the night before. Fuck the patent office. And they stayed for a little while, and then they left. And Sparky, an uh, hour or two later, having a cup of coffee and just killed over onto the floor, called the ambulance, and she was 75 years old. They would not let her in the ambulance. They killed him in the ambulance. And the ambulance then called her back about 20 minutes later and said, Probably ain't gonna survive. Going to make it. And uh, that was 
the end they of fucking that. killed him. Until the next morning when she called my Fuck that. It's a rogue and government. And said, there are men here that said they're FBI. And they got black vans. And they're taking all this equipment. What should I do? Welcome to this edition of Eyewitness Newsmakers. I'm your host, Doug Miller. On March the 23rd, chemists Stanley Pons and Martin Fleischman rocked the world of science. They announced that they had achieved cold fusion in their laboratory at the University of Utah. The promise of a cheap and a plentiful energy supply grabbed the world's attention. It didn't put out a lot of power, but what was scary is that this is 1989. It made the you know cover of all the magazines. The way they took that avenue of discovery out of the scientific world is that there were people who were paid, who were corrupted, through scientific fraud at MIT. Next slide. Dr. Eugene Malov, dear friend of mine, PhD, Harvard and MIT, brilliant man. There was a man named Eugene Malov who, it's quite possible, was eliminated by the powers that be in the fossil fuel industry. He died in 2004. He was murdered that year. But Malov was a, an extremely important figure in the alternative energy world, especially in terms of what's called cold fusion. And he was at MIT in the, in the science office for education when he saw how they had changed the data on the reproducing the Pons Fleischmann experiment. And he blew the whistle. Uh, I inadvertently was looking through some piles of paper that had been given to me in a casual manner by all these hot fusion physicists as they were trying to do their calorimetric uh, repeat of the Pond Fleischmann experiment. And to my utter astonishment, I can remember sitting at my desk in my study and actually seeing these two sheets of paper, one dated July 10th, 1989, and another dated July 13th, three days apart. The difference between July 10th and 13th was dramatic, and I was stunned. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It looked like monkey business to me at the time, and it has turned out to be exactly that. It was a lower echelon person in the Plasma Fusion Center at MIT, one of the 16 authors of a scientific paper done under Department of Energy contract that had altered data. And that data is scientific fraud, as far as I'm concerned, and many other people are concerned. And it was, you know, it was hell on wheels. Finally get someone who brings him a, a zero-point device, solid state, no moving parts. And I said, Gene, we need to get this out to the public very quickly. Oh no, they want to keep it secret. I begged him and I begged him and I begged him and I begged him. He was beaten to death when he was over at his parents' home and was killed, murdered. Yeah. They to look like some thugs. Should they have told him. Should have told him you're gonna murder. you're gonna fucking and die if you don't release it immediately. Good friend of mine. We have Good a fucking friend. rogue what government. What was a threat to the scientific establishment. The threat of it even being implied as real and having money, shall we say, being diverted from their favorite programs, and uh, that was a threat. No question, it was an actual threat of that happening. U.S. scientists making a huge breakthrough. A source tells CNN that for the first time ever, 
researchers have been able to create energy from the fusion reaction. Now, Laura, I could explain all of this in great detail. But basically, it's a giant step towards a clean energy future without dependence on fossil fuels. This is the first time, by all accounts, they've gotten more heat out than they put in. Not so fast. This supposed breakthrough, announced just as we were finishing this film, is a total distraction. The net gain, 0.1 kilowatt, is enough to boil a kettle of water and not much else. But what is truly baffling is that they are not counting the actual input required to power the lasers to get the machine going. When you count the energy it took to generate the fusion reaction, it's actually a 1200 times net loss. Furthermore, fusion reactions can generate heat in excess of 3 million degrees, which would ignite the oxygen in the surrounding air if a breach ever occurred. Everything about this is, at best, wrong, at worst, fraudulent. So why is this fake solution being pushed by every media outlet on the planet, when we have had real solutions hidden in classified programs for a hundred years? Different people have different devices. Of the ones that have Because we have a rogue government. certain themes that keep re-emerging. The first theme is torsion physics. Torsion physics is a fancy way of saying something that spins like this and something that spins like this. Think of it as like an hourglass shape. I think that it has to do with it representing the way energy moves in the universe. At the biggest levels, like the galaxy, it's a spiral. A tornado on Earth is this vortex motion. Our DNA is a stranded spiral. A second theme is plasma. A lightning bolt is plasma. Right? The spark gap in a car is plasma. So plasma is the fourth state of matter. Solid water is ice. Add more energy, it melts and becomes water. Add more energy, it becomes steam. And then if you were to add even more energy, say through running an electric current through that steam or through any gas, you end up with plasma. You can think of it as maybe this liminal state or in-between state between the physical world and the non-physical world, whatever that is. There's some evidence emerging that plasma can provide a shielding of inertia. So if you imagine that you're a UFO and you need to zip around at crazy speeds, you can't pump the brakes too fast, otherwise everyone's going to slam into the windshield, right? But if you had some sort of inertial shield around the craft, i.e. like a plasma shield, you might be able to eliminate the inertia surrounding that and keep the occupants safe. Uh, I think this is why UFOs seem to glow, plasma glows. A third theme is that of the ether. The conventional or mainstream understanding of the base level of reality is maybe the quantum sea, tiniest particles all bumping into each other. The ether conceives of this differently. It says that there's a kind of a fluid geometry that is the base layer of physical reality. And that to understand that fluid geometry is to be able to really understand electricity, magnetism, and gravity. And this, according to Tesla and others, is the key to really understanding what he was getting at with all of his wireless transmission of energy stuff. But I believe that we're going to see something like a return of the ether, what we call that, but it'll be something like that that's going to 
enable us to make much more progress in these areas in the coming century. This gentleman, he had a car that would run on water, but it had to be modified. A local inventor has discovered a way, hear this, to use water on your car. It's a major breakthrough that will no doubt make motorists happy. And as Ralph Robinson explains, the Pentagon is also showing lots of interest in this project. And he always kept that secret. He had a patent that he falsified the voltage and the frequency oh. cycles per second because he didn't want anyone to reproduce it and leapfrog him financially. Again, this crazy inventor syndrome. And what happened, and when he passed away, there was a whole warehouse full of floppy disks and papers and everything, and his heirs wanted to sell it off. What people didn't realize is that this car was the least important thing Stan Meyer had. He had a toroid, and the toroid was a donut-shaped electromagnetic device that had had a national security order slapped on it. I was going to get it and openly disclose it. Though the scientific establishment may have ignored the likes of Meyer, the powerful military-industrial complex certainly hasn't. Over the past 10 years, Meyer says he's been quietly approached by many influential organizations who would never admit publicly to their involvement with him. This was a disaster. If we had a few hundred thousand we were going to offer, but we made it clear we were going to open source it. Well, they had a group, an engineering group from Michigan. Are you okay, baby? A lot more money they had a What's up, babies? Oh, yay. And they were going to monetize it, keep it secret, try to repatent it, all the usual crazy ideas, which would be great if you're just developing a new software program, but not change the world forever. Can't do it. They were working on a couple years. I get this hysterical call. Yes, Dr. Greer, we need your help. We need your help. <laughs> they're on the run for their lives. They've been sabotaged. They've had death threats. Oh my God. And my advice was, oh forget Your about Gollum and be in my ring and my precious ring. In this case, it was literally a precious ring. Just put it out there. I will help yeah. spread it. We will build these up independently, have labs tested, and you cannot put that Mimi, toothpaste so back in the tube to squeeze it hard enough. He says, yes, that, that, you're right, it's probably the only way, but they think they can find a safe country to go to. I said, you're going to have to go to another star system, my friend. I literally said that. No way that's going to happen. So, sure enough, I find out a few months later, I meet with a high-tech guy in Orange County, that entire team was assassinated. Was one, the one survived. Uh, it was just crying like a baby in this man's office. Technology shows that we can release energy up to beyond 2.5 million barrels of oil per gallon of water and do it safely. So it gives us the ability to not only uh, sustain and maintain the economies of the world, but also give us the abilities to uh, handle the environmental pollution problems at the same time. This sort of encapsulates, you know, five or ten of the suppression techniques, all the way from murder to crazy inventor syndrome, falsifying your patent, trying to make money first instead of proving the science first, etc. And, of course, he took this to his grave. He was poisoned and killed at a cracker barrel. An ignominious death as ever I heard one. Stan Meyer's water engine points us to a deeper mystery concerning energy in our universe. Microscopic ball lightning. 
The late physicist Ken Shoulders developed a technology called charge clusters, which are likened to ball lightning. When they are discharged, they actually tap into the zero-point energy field. This is where most of the power in Stan Meyer's device was coming from. Like Stan, Ken Shoulders faced terrible suppression. And so I, I met with this CEO. He says, yes, they approved a $5 million grant from DOE so we could develop this further because one of the effects it had that they were really pursuing was putting low-level, initially, radioactive waste in these charged clusters. And it would cause isotopes that were non-radioactive to be created. What does this mean? We clean up all the radioactive waste. However, the phenomenon, the reason it was doing it was that it was actually activating, as it were, this baseline energy field that's at the fabric of space and time. And that's what they didn't want out. So in the rarest of events, that grant was published and these vicious people who want to keep all this stuff secret went into the, the, the Secretary of, of Energy's office and said, pull that grant. And they pulled it. Another technology to harness the power of ball lightning is being developed by a team of engineers in Florida. They have successfully tested several prototypes that allow any internal combustion engine to run mostly on water. We need to make the thunderclap engine. Many times breakthroughs are made because the inventor or the scientist was inspired by looking at nature. The same systems and the same mechanisms that exist in nature that you can see can also exist in the devices that you build. So by trying to mimic that, you can tap into the intelligence that nature has already shown you when it comes to being efficient with the energy transmission mechanisms. Another current technology was recently investigated by Dr. Greer and his engineering team at an undisclosed location in the Arizona desert. One, two, three, four, five, six magnesium alloy specially configured plates. This thing's the size of a nice size shoebox. The circuitry you see on the right is a misdirect because the guy has crazy inventor syndrome and thinks he can keep it secret and make a trillion dollars. 
You don't interfere with the big, powerful people. You don't put them out of business. They're still in business. They still have those 50-year leases on the lines and, the, and all the power transformers. You'd be able to get one of my power plants, just replace a coal fire plant. You know, but it wouldn't be big news or anything because I'm just selling electricity to them, okay? And then they're going to say, wow, we're making more money at this plant than we are at the others. So they're going to put them around, you see? They're not going to let me in. They're going to fight me to and many of them. But I'm going to be very sneaky about it. This thing, for three years, had been sitting in this near chicken coop in its backyard out in the desert, putting out three kilowatts of power continuously, and we cranked it up to five kilowatts. No input power. And it's running off the magnetic flux of the space around it that he can tune to any place on the Earth so it's correct, and boom. This thing, solid state, no moving parts. We just saw this. But he's... A textbook case of making every wrong decision. He tried to patent it. Well, you'll see in a moment what happened. He ended up getting put in prison for a week. He has had sabotage, death threats, murder of people around him. Yeah, I spent eight days in that jail. When I went before the court, the judge said, come here, Doug. He says, read this. You sign it, you go home. You don't sign it, you go to jail. And all it was is I would not ever in my lifetime, ever, through me or anyone else, if anybody else is manufacturing these, I'll go to jail. And here is the secrecy order he was slapped with. <laughs> but look at the date. 1984. <laughs> it's almost 40 years ago. So you're doing the same thing, patent office. People think this is a myth. No, here's a secrecy order. She so I don't want to go through that again. Scared my family and everybody. Uh, so now what we're going to do, we're going to be very quiet. I'm going to build my one megawatt. It'll take two and a half years to build it. Because it's very complicated. i gotta, I got to acclimate it to the earth. Technologies like this and countless others will never see the light of day without a radically new strategy. Dr. Greer is preparing to launch a multi-centered, state-of-the-art research and development lab that will develop zero-point energy technology, live streaming 24-7 for security and transparency. All research results, data, and plans would be released to the world open source, freely available to the public and the scientific community. This Thank will you. require broad public support to make this a reality. They need With some this funding. strategy, zero point energy is achievable, but it is only half of what has been suppressed. And now we get into the really cool stuff. Look at the dates, 1919, that Frost experiment, where they actually had high-frequency systems where things levitated, defying gravity. Hi, and then T. Townsend Brown, and he had very high-voltage systems, electrogravitic, they call it, where high-voltage would cause this lift effect and would actually create, if you will, uh, a 
bubble, an electromagnetic field that would allow an object to move at enormous speeds and free of the forces of gravity, what's called gravity control. An Office of Naval Research report on T. Townsend Brown's electrogravity device includes a transcript of a conversation between Major General V. E. Bertrandius and Lieutenant General H. A. Craig. Bertrandius remarks, it sounds terribly screwy, but Friday I went down to a place called the Townsend Brown Foundation, and believe it or not, I saw a model of a flying saucer. Townsend Brown was an independent experimenter, and he uh, actually worked on, as, as you can see, very large uh, replications of saucers that he believed were vital for a different type of propulsion. The big question is, can I prove this? This I consider to be a very serious Rosetta Stone. This is Young Man Magazine. The article is titled, The Chain Engines Are Coming. By far the most potent source of energy is gravity. Using it as power, future aircraft will attain the speed of light. Now, in this article, they give you the names, they give you the time frame, they give you the dates, they give you the defense contractors, universities, and research centers that are actively pursuing cracking the gravity barrier. They talk about the Lear Corporation, the Sperry Rand Corporation, the Bell Aircraft Corporation, all trying desperately to crack the gravity barrier. And it's clear from the eyewitness testimony they've done it. And then we have Michael Schrapp to thank for this, a great archivist and historian. And he's found these are journals that date from the 50s, one to you know, 1956, where the big buzz in the aerospace industry was anti-gravity, quote unquote, the G engines, gravity engines. And this was actually in the open literature until they figured out how it really works and it all went black. Now, where did they get the technology? This was an interesting crash retrieval. This is prior to Roswell. This is November 1946. This was seen by a courier who went to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, and he had a guard, an MP who he was friends with. And this guard said, you know what? I got something I want to show you. So he brought him into this facility at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, and there was this craft sitting there. And this little red dot that I have here shows you the attempted point of entry. They were using a diamond-tipped drill bit to try to get into this craft. So the question is, if this is one of ours, why would they be trying to get into this? So is this the beginning origin point of a reverse engineering program? You know, some of the UFO craft retrieval material, we've looked at it and we found that the materials used are very strange. When extraterrestrial material is recovered through military crash retrievals and its metallic structure is examined under a microscope, the metal is so pure that we could not replicate it even in a vacuum in space. This is because extraterrestrial crafts are not manufactured on a Ford assembly line the way humans would manufacture something. Everything in the material universe has a frequency and a corresponding sound vibration that creates and sustains its being. Extraterrestrials manufacture objects by first creating a resonant frequency. For instance, the frequency of a flying saucer. This is a sort of vibrational blueprint that interacts with the substrate of the physical universe, pulling into existence from other dimensions, atoms and molecules that then organize and condense into the structure of the object being created. 
In this way, extraterrestrial material is literally manifested into being, like trans-dimensional 3D printing or Star Trek's replicator technology. to 1963. This is a Marine. He was called from Cherry Point, North Carolina to an undisclosed location and his job was to guard something there. And when he got to this facility, they opened up these doors and he saw, propped up on scaffolding, this 40-foot diameter dish-shaped craft that looked like a fat hamburger. It was about 15 feet tall. He noticed that there was a white circle painted on the floor, and his job was to shoot to kill anyone who would try to breach that circle. They were trying three ways to get into this craft. Number one was a diamond tip drill bit. So we've got two cases of this now. Number two was an acetylene torch. That failed. And then the final attempt was bringing in two 18-wheeler tractor-trailer low-boy trucks that had these very high voltage generating devices and they were using a laser to get into this craft. In a previously unreleased interview with aerospace designer Brad Sorensen, Sorensen describes a secret air show that took place at Norton Air Force Base on November 12 of 1988. A classified military exhibit in which so-called alien reproduction vehicles were unveiled. The craft were hovering off the floor with no landing gear underneath and nothing supporting it from above. When asked, where did they get these concepts from, Sorensen states, they said they copied it. By the way, these went all through the solar system. The components, Mercury era, 1959 to 1960s, early 60s. So these were operational. When did we master gravity control where these were being functionally built by classified projects here on Earth, not extraterrestrial? October 1954. So here we are, riding on the surface of the roads and cars belching out garbage and pollution. When I say a lost century, it really is. They were already working on these programs as early as 1948. During the Clinton administration, they were spending $100 million a day on black budget programs. The big question is, has this been integrated into the aerospace industry? And if we look at what the witnesses are reporting, they're reporting similar things across time, across dates, locations. Now, this is March 23rd, 1966. This is Temple, Oklahoma. Primary eyewitness name is Eddie Laxon. He was an electrical engineer. He was working at Shepard Air Force Base. So he's commuting to work. It's about 5.06 in the morning. And I want to stress that this is not my case. This is an actual United States Air Force Project Blue Book case, and it can be verified through Project Blue Book. So he's going to work in the morning, and all of a sudden, something is blocking the road in front of him. And he notices something that looks all the world like a tipped over bowling pin. It's about 75 feet across. On the starboard side of the craft that you see here, there was an air stair cutout door and a man. I want to stress, this was a man. This is not an alien. He was wearing two-piece green military fatigues. 
he had a baseball cap with the bill turned up and he was shining a flashlight near the bottom of the steps. Above this airfare door, there was an interesting stinger or spire that tapered back and swept back to the end of the vehicle. And at the end of this spire, there was about an eight-inch diameter spear. And that's interesting because I keep getting reports from the eyewitnesses of spears and balls and protrusions and prongs sticking out of these UFOs. And if you look at what the eyewitnesses are describing to us, and you look and examine high-voltage electrical equipment, it's a match. I believe I can make a case that the components that people are seeing on these UFOs are off-the-shelf high-voltage electrical components. When this gentleman, who was this military green fatigue gentleman, when he noticed that he was being watched by Eddie Laxon, he scurried up this ladder, he slammed this door shut, and then there was a high-pitched drilling noise. This craft levitated off the ground and then took off like a spark on a grinding wheel and made no sonic boom whatsoever. This is back in 1966. Rockets are obsolete. Solid rockets are obsolete. Jets are obsolete. be true and we're still flying jets.
Elon Musk tweeted this out. because he'd been living with it for eight years. The CIA was only created in 1947, and the Pentagon and its generals were, you know, gaining much more power and as the nuclear With Nazi scientists who were... Eisenhower saw it. Rescued from... Combination of military Getting power justice at Nuremberg. So if you think about 
what the industrial Operation Paperclip should be part of that new national curriculum. And the chemical companies, and the now increasingly the pharmaceutical companies that are running rampant and increasing yeah. their wealth by astronomical proportions. This is just the value of the raw materials. Look at these numbers, $150 trillion in oil. That's actually an underestimate now. $40 trillion in uh, coal, a trillion in uranium. But that's just the raw. When you multiply your effect, when you take it from there to retail and creative energy, it's, it's many more hundreds of trillions. And that's what's being protected along with the Bretton Woods petrodollar where they decide to make the dollar the reserve currency of the world, but it's being called the petrodollar. So the entire macroeconomic, global economic system is sitting on a crumbling foundation of the energy system we use. And it's gonna have to be transitioned. It should have happened 100 years ago. Yeah. Now we're out of time. The malefactors of great wealth, says Teddy Roosevelt. You're out of touch. Writing the laws. I'm out of time. to write the laws that, that they want. Why does that matter? I'm out of my head when you're not around. Both editions of my you're recent book, which was hosted by the apocalypse, became I'm out of version. But I'm out of my head when you're not around. What I've been talking about today. They work together in lockstep, coordinated by Capitol Hill trade associations, lobbying firms, captive agencies and paid off politicians to increase authoritarian control, to transform all of us into mindless it's consumers, like okay, huh? to shift middle-class wealth Here. to billionaire plutocrats, Here, and to liquidate our purple mountain majesties and our entire planet. They have declared war on democracy and personal freedom. A shadowy government with its own air force, its own navy, his own fundraising mechanism and the ability to pursue his own ideas of the national interest, free from all checks and balances and free from the law itself. To get your mind around this, there is the government, constitutional government of the United States. And then there's this other secret government operation, which has more money, more power, more technology. Than the it government. Is a criminal enterprise. It is not sanctioned by the president. Criminal it is enterprise. Not sanctioned by Congress. And yet they're using our tax dollars and are raping the planet and destroying yeah. the earth. Criminal and enterprise. The planet. Cease and desist. That's what we have to fix. We've got at Let's least get a cease and desist order. The fucking crash retrieval cases. Stop that criminal enterprise. Correct. And if they exploited the technology associated with these craft and procure that and put it into our aerospace industry, they have made a tremendous breakthrough in aerospace technology that I think that our Challenger astronauts should have been briefed on, our Apollo astronauts should have been briefed on, and we could have avoided all of this obsolete technology, yeah. and we could all Anybody's move forward dying. to that wonderful People are dying, millions of people die. Because the fucking government's hoarding information. Histories. Some people wonder why we don't know it's more our about taxpayer money. It's our fucking inventions. We paid for it. Going on. We have about 15 billionaires and hoarding the wealth. Controlling 90% of the media in the United States. Yeah. We've got AT&T, Comcast, 
Walt Disney Company, National Amusements, that includes Viacom and CBS News, and Fox Corporation. They rely on advertising revenue, and that's going to mean they're towing the line. This is a CIA document. It was released. I was surprised it was released, and it says that we have relationship with every major wire service newspaper, Newsweekly, and television Shut it down. Shut down the Big Pharma. Come on, no more fucking commercials. Change, hold, or scrap stories that could have adversely Should affected be national That's a viol- HIPAA violation. Sources and methods. Here's another part of your training. Between you and your doctor. Forced to live in. The idea that we have a free press, or that we have a free market economy. Pray tell, any economist in here, I challenge you, how do we have a free market if the most important scientific breakthroughs of the last 100 years have been ruthlessly confiscated, people murdered, and kept off yeah, the market? Exactly. It's a controlled economy. It's a controlled media. It's an abomination, and it's killing the planet. Communism. There were days when I wished I had never seen free energy. Control the command the economy. amount of pain that uh, you wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning because you can't do anything, and you know that pollution can be cleaned up, and everyone is on the same economic basis. And uh, because you're powering everything with the free energy, you can do really what the philosopher Joseph Campbell said. He said to seek after your bliss, and follow I think your bliss. That free energy does it. And so, what do we do? Well, the current paradigm we just went through: the new would be unlimited abundance, no poverty in 20 years. There would be no poverty on Earth in 20 years with these technologies. Universal peace, because you're not fighting over everything now. And Earth in harmony with humanity and the biosphere restored. It's important to realize that the technology that is required to heal Earth already exists and has existed for a long time. That the problem is not fundamentally technological. The gavel from the Supreme Court around the goal of healing Earth. We could do it in five years because the capacity of life to heal is just incredible. But we're just in the way of it all the time. I mean, even look what happens if you stop paving over a parking lot. In five years, cracks appear. Weeds are growing out of it. In 15 years, you see chunks of pavement here and there, and trees are growing. In 50 years, you don't even know a parking lot was ever there. In order to maintain Earth in a state of ugliness and unlife requires constant effort because the power of life to live is so strong that's what life wants to do it wants to live yeah we just we don't need to let it go million cars a year if we convert it like that which is not going to happen all manufacturing of automobiles to these zero point energy generators it would take do the math 15 years we barely have 15 years left the date I've been given, 2035 to 2040, and we're done. The scale of the transition is almost unthinkable. There are an estimated 14 million kilometers of paved roads across the Earth. There are many millions more of power lines comprising the so-called smart grid. 
a real smart grid would be no grid at all. We need a compassionate transition. Instead of displacing millions of workers who support today's energy infrastructure, we must enlist them in the radical transformation of our world that lies before us. We've all heard of the Hopi prophecy, probably. There are two lines on the Hopi prophecy. Right now, our entire planet is on the line, the upper line that terminates. We're an extinction level event trajectory. That's the path we're on. There's another line in the Hopi prophecies, and that's one that we have to jump onto that goes on and on forever. That's our choice. We, the people, have to choose it. It is not going to be done for you like a Ouija board in Washington or in Washington. <laughs> We're going to have to unite and do this ourselves. You can imagine a civilization that has figured out the over-unity question as being one in which the centralization of power and therefore the centralization of the inputs necessary for the growth of civilization becomes more decentralized. So rather than these power stations that are clustered around big cities, you can have energy generation mechanisms in every home. And this is why it's a new world, because it's the power to the people. And what it means, it's literally not just electric power and energy, but actual political power. And in the industrial era, from the 1800s to now, it's gotten more and more concentrated. This is going to return the power to every village and every person. Even the deserts shall bloom, as it says. And in Africa and around the world, they're going to leapfrog past where we are with all this electricity and wiring and power lines and power plants like they did telephones. They went straight to cell. But this is a bigger leap where all over the world, all these impoverished areas, every little village and energy generator for pulling water out of the humidity of the air. We have the technology to do that now. Why is it used? Because it uses a lot of electricity, which is polluting and expensive. It'll be a global village, all interconnected, but also all self-sufficient. Complete local self-sufficiency with no pollution. That's the world we could have had beginning in the 20s. A hundred years later, may I suggest we accept it. It's time. We are a hundred years behind where we should be right now. Why are we still pounding metal nails into boards to build houses? Why are we still loading up shipping containers on tankers and taking two months to get here? This is all a construct. And why I call this a time snap. <clears throat> a time snap is when things have gone so far off track, the only way to fix it is for the people to unite, come up with a totally different strategy where in a on so far off track. Old nails reappear. Old nails into boards to build houses. Why are we still loading up shipping containers on tankers and taking two months to get here? This is all a construct. And why I call this a time snap? <clears throat> a time snap is when things have gone so far off track, 
the only way to fix it is for the people to unite come up with a totally different strategy where in a decade to two decades we make up for a hundred years. It can happen. Make up for yeah, lost hundred years. But this is now a survival question for every man, woman, and child on the earth. So that's why we have to do this. have to remember also that the capacity for life to heal is almost unlimited. And we see this already with people who are restoring ecosystems and regenerating farmland. You know, even in a few years, miracles happen. You know, springs that have been dead for generations come back to life. Species that hadn't been seen in the area. Where in a decade to two decades, we make up for a hundred years. It can happen. And, you know, if nothing else, humans do want to survive. But this is now a survival question for every man, woman, and child on the earth. So that's why we have to do this. We have to remember also that the capacity for life to heal is almost unlimited. And we see this already with people who are restoring ecosystems and regenerating farmland. You know, even in a few years, miracles happen. You know, springs that have been dead for generations come back to life. Species that hadn't been seen in the area seemingly magically reappear. And so we can't forget that. We can't succumb to a despair that is founded in our distrust of the power of life itself, which again is part of the origin of our current condition. Visualize your house off the grid, clean energy, no wiring. Why? Because every device, whether it's this size device, or your refrigerator will have a small solid state quantum vacuum zero point energy device in it running it. So there's no electromagnetic fields running through your house because you don't need wiring. Think what that'll do to construction costs and the simplicity of it. And here we are in the Sahara Desert and you want to grow food. You create a, a biosphere dome. It's run on free, clean energy, as we, we've demonstrated. You're growing oranges. You can grow crops. You can have different zones in it for different temperature and humidity control. So anywhere on the planet that you need to have foods, it could be done under controlled circumstances, digitally automated, but with no cost for the energy and the water versus yeah. none. What that means is, the food scarcity and starvation we're facing that goes away very quickly in, in a 20-year period. Here's your, your typical street in your neighborhood and anywhere in the world. And as we bring these technologies out, the grid comes down. We don't need it anymore. When there's a snowstorm or a hurricane or whatever, you don't lose power because you're not dependent on a grid that's going to be torn down by ice and snow and wind. You don't need wires. All these wires the clutter of wires. You don't need them because every device will have its own source of energy. This could have been done decades ago. As we bring these out, all these freeways will be replaced. All the lines and power lines will go away. We can float above the surface.
And in every city in the world, we're going to see this transformation, every village in the world. And then we have these cities, you know, eventually where you're just floating, there are, there are guided pathways, you know, the ground is pristine, and then we're going out into space. So everyone remember where our destiny is. Our destiny is not just Earth, it's the whole cosmos. How is that going to be possible? The only way we're allowed to go outside our solar system is if we become a peaceful civilization. Otherwise, it's locked down. You know, we are considered a planet that is dangerous and armed. Each one of us is very invested in the world as it is. We've built careers, relationships, and goals based on a world that doesn't include ETs and anti-gravity and free energy and healing devices and all this cool, abundant stuff. And so we need to understand and, and really know if we are ready for that investment to be disruptive. So one of the most powerful things that any of us can do is to look in our own hearts, imagine the world that could be, and ask ourselves, are we ready for that? If Apparently the answer not. is yes, then hold that readiness in your heart. Fuck these motherfuckers. The if the answer is no, if there are some lingering doubts or fears or concerns, then go into that. Follow that. That's an important thread that you can follow back to something inside of you that needs attention. It's that obstacle that may be keeping us from living in this new world. At Rendlesham Forest in the Air Force Base in 1980, a roughly pyramid-shaped craft landed. You've all heard this cat probably, but I'll recount it for you. And the part that's classified you don't know. There were these kind of luminous beams that literally teleported, floated outside this black pyramid and communicated with these Air Force officers. And the ET said, we are your descendants. What? Who have become interstellar. But we are from 500,000 years in the future. Descendants. And we are now here. They basically materialized time travel to 1980 because this was a covert nuclear weapons facility that if that had been disclosed could have triggered World War III. And saying, you've got to stop doing this. If you stay on this path, we, your children's 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 children, 20,000 years into the future, we won't exist. That was wow. 42 years ago. So they have been warning these civilizations from other star systems. Some of them are our descendants. Not all. Not all. But some are. Well, the key thing to remember here is, is that the fact that that happened is a message of great hope. It means that there is a chance, a good chance, if we reach into our higher consciousness and we go forward with a strategy that isn't based on materialism and greed. This is a massive undertaking, my friends, but I'm convinced we can do it, but we have to completely rethink how we live, how we act, and the whole business model of what we're doing. And if we do that, here's the world we're gonna have. We will be remembered as a generation that pulled ourselves off the extinction line of the Hopi prophecy and moved on to the one that goes on forever.
Nelson Mandela once said, Our human compassion binds us the one to the other, not in pity or patronizingly, but as human beings who have learned how to turn our common suffering into hope for the future. We have every reason to have hope. The solutions already exist. If we come together as one human family, we can reclaim our lost century. Fly high.